0: Hi, and welcome back to Conversations with the Mind. I'm your host, as always, Shane Lamaster. First of all, I want to welcome all of our new listeners. Um, this is a, a podcast about uh, multiple minds having consciousness uh, conversations in an effort to try and move the conversations in your communities around consciousness, I'm hoping to, to shift... Um, consciousness in in a positive direction for not only uh, ourselves as individuals but as communities and societies and nations countries and the, the whole world um, we want to say thank you to all of our current listeners and subscribers it's because of you guys that we can continue doing this um, that's the why we why we're putting it out is for you guys so thank you please continue to like and share all of our podcasts that's really how we get the word out Um, You know, I I can only do so much on my end as far as um, advertising on things like Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I only reach so many people, but if you guys can like and share, you know, just spend a couple seconds to do so, it really does help our podcast get out to so many more listeners. So we want to thank you all for for doing that and supporting us. Just so you know, um, I believe it's on the link to the podcast itself, but we have an option to donate to the podcast if you want. Um, no obligation by any means. Uh, it's not our goal to collect money for this podcast, but in an effort to try and Im- improve our systems, improve our microphones, so that we can put out a clearer message to all of you. Um, we do take donations from from people who are you know just individuals, no corporations or anything like that. We just take individual donations, and all the funds go towards upgrading our equipment, so I don't take any profit from this. Um, I really wanted to start this podcast because I wanted to find another way that I could give back to humanity. Um, So that's why I'm doing this. So if you want to go ahead and donate, but no obligation. Um, If you just listen, that's the best gift that we can get from you guys is to listen and share these ideas with your friends and family. As always, we're sponsored by my private practice consulting and counseling company, MindOps. You can find us at mindops.com. That's M-I-N-D- hyphen ops.com. We're a full-spectrum mental health and mind-optimizing service company, so I have licensures with mental health, uh, addictions counseling, sport and performance psychology, and I also do psychedelic integration therapies. Uh, We are a mobile uh, counseling company, so more often I I like to go to my clients' environments, uh, whether that be your home environment, your workplace, or uh, in the gym if you're an athlete. Um, I find that doing therapy and watching you in your natural environment greatly enhances uh, uh, my ability to to sort of tailor my interventions to help you optimize your mind. So we are a mobile counseling company. Uh, We can come to your location if you need us. Uh, We also do distance consulting too, so we we can do through Skype or teletherapy through the phone. Um, So if you are listening from across the country or across the world, please still um, come to our website, mindops.com, and just see what we do. See if it's something that you can you can use to improve some area of your life. Um, and we do work with individuals, teams, groups, both small and large, and businesses as well. So we do corporate, um, corporate stuff, too, um, for optimization. Um, so our good news story today, I'm... I'm I wanted to apologize to all the listeners, too. I've been kind of on a hiatus recently. Um, been a bit sick. I ha- I was holding my friend's baby a couple weeks ago, and um, beautiful little Allie just decided she wanted to share her sickness with me and sneezed right in my mouth when I was holding her like two inches from my face. I don't have any kids, but um, if that's anything to look forward to, I can expect to be sick quite often. Um, my boss actually said it's it's kind of funny how... You know this guy who who she, who works with them um, is you know was an MMA fighter and a pro jiu-jitsu fighter and like this big tough guy and um, he wrestles with 300 pound guys all the time but this little baby is what took him out and and sort of made him bedridden for a week. I thought that was kind of funny. So I'm glad I'm back and um, I one of the most um, the most important reasons why I'm I'm excited to be back is because of this good news story that I found today. Uh, it's, again, on the Good News Network, it says, the, or the title of the article says, Man Behind, the world's longest-running free clinic, has spent 44 years treating 2 million people. And it talks about this gentleman, um, this doctor, Dr. Ramana Rayal. I probably totally butchered his name, so I apologize. Um, he said, over a 44-year career as a doctor in India, he has treated or cured... Um, over two million people, and he's never charged a dime for any of his services. Um, it seems like he's uh, he started this this clinic back in let's see. You know, he got his doctorate in '73, and it looks like he opened the the clinic right afterwards. So you know, close to forty forty plus years doing this free clinic, and uh, it's just amazing. I thought it was amazing to kind of point out how just one person can have such a large impact uh for good for benefit on this planet uh, especially you know i don't know if it's something about us here in the west but it seems like many of us often get down on ourselves and we ask those questions like what is what can i do you know the world is going to shit i'm just one person what can i do you know um and we we almost feel hopeless at times because we you know sometimes we feel insignificant but it's stories like this, uh, you know, that really show me the potential for every single individual that if this man over 40 plus years can impact over two million people in such an amazing way, you know, he changed these people's lives most of the time, then every single one of us have that potential. And if you can just imagine what that would be like, if every single person on this planet helped two million people over their lifetime. How much better this planet would be. So I just wanted to share that that little bit of hope and joy with you guys. Um, it really, it really made me feel good inside to know that there's people out there. And it seems like these type of people aren't the type of people that are getting the spotlight, um, which is unfortunate as well. Um, so I want to welcome my guest today, very special guest. Uh, my guest is Cody Weiss. He's a good friend of mine. Um, trains at the at the gym with me at Z's Training Gym here in Fort Collins. I met Cody about six months ago. Um, I think at the time he was, he was training, uh, training with a a guy who wanted to have an MMA fight with one of our guys at the gym, um, our friend Hiram. And I guess after their fight, um, your friend decided he wanted to join our gym. You came with him. And ever since then, it's, you know, we're off to the races. Um, Cody is a senior, um, at Colorado State University he studies um, neuroscience. So he's a neuroscience major with a specialization in behavior and cognitive applications. So I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, so welcome, Cody. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. Super cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I always start my podcast with the same question for everybody. Um, so the title of the podcast is conversations with the mind and take that wherever your mind naturally wants to go. But I, my first question is, you know, what does that phrase mean to you? What is yeah, what is the idea of conversations with the mind? What is that? How does that
1: sit with you, and how does it resonate? I think when I hear conversations with the mind, I think it's a method for us to progress. Hmm. We are always thinking of what's the next step? What, what do I do now? Where do I go now? And I don't think a lot of people take the time to have a conversation with themselves. Hmm. You know, And talking to yourself has this bad stigma or introspection has this if you do that you're weird i think who just talks to themselves who thinks about why why did i do that you Mm -hmm. know and i think if we can have conversations with our mind ourself what makes us special and why we do what we do i think we can understand other people Mm -hmm. so by understanding yourself
0: at a deeper level, you have the ability to understand yeah. better, okay yeah, so it sounds like for you um, well, you brought up a lot of great stuff, so conversations with the mind, you know this idea that we use these conversations with our brain, with our mind as a as a means as a a tool for progression right yeah so i 'm currently Shane on um, November fourth, two thousand and eighteen. And by tomorrow, I will have had another hundred conversations with myself, and will have progressed because of those exactly, conversations. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, you know, in other cultures all over the world, talking to yourself and this idea of having conversation with yourself in your in your mind is not stigmatized. Here in the U.S., we see it all the time, right? Like stereotypical mental health case, right? Yeah. Some crazy guy walking down the street talking to himself. Yeah. Right? If you were to ask anybody out there, like what is what do you think a schizophrenic looks like? What do you think, you know, psychosis looks like? That's yeah. what people are gonna describe. Yeah. And so in our country In our culture we see it as something really bad, almost like demonizing it. Like, don't you dare talk to yourself. Yeah. People will think you're crazy. But for you and I, we see that
1: it's super healthy, you know, it it adds oh, to for our life. sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm in uh therapy right now and I have this it's not an alter ego, but it's part of me. I call uh, my Mr. Hyde, you mm-hmm. know, when someone tells me, oh, how'd you do on that test? You know, um, I got to see. Oh, that, that sucks. I got I to gotta be I immediately think because of my past experiences, oh, they just said that to be a bitch or to be an ass to rub it in my face that they're smarter than me. And I immediately want to either like get even You know, I want to bring up, okay, well, I beat you here, Mm -hmm. you know, or I, you know, something like that, that has some sort of malevolence behind it. And in therapy, it is weird to have a conversation with someone about a conversation you have (laughs) with yourself. Mm -hmm. How do you like, yeah, no, I talked to this guy in (laughs) the back of my head Mm -hmm. and sometimes he's an asshole, Mm -hmm. but I think... It's helped me so much. Because now I notice those little behaviors. Like, well, why, why, did, why did my Mr. Hyde do that? Mm-hmm. You know, Carl Jung talked about that. Like, the shadow. Yep. And, shadow self. Yeah. And if you incorporate that into yourself and you understand that mm-hmm. part of yourself. And you have a conversation with that part of yourself. You become a better person. I think. And, yeah, it's just stigmatizing. It was hard for me at first to start doing that. To talk to myself like why did I not like that comment Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what part of me didn't like that comment Mm -hmm. and you know it's hard for me to tell other people I know about therapy because I'm very open about that I'm in therapy I think it's great I think everyone should go to therapy
0: Mm -hmm. I agree
1: (laughs) yeah it's great but it's you there's that teeter-totter where oh I'm in therapy well what do you talk about oh I talk about my Mr. Hyde in the back of my head that tells me to do bad things Mm mm-hmm I'm going to get a look. Mm
0: -hmm. Or you say, like, oh, I'm in therapy, and and immediately they're like, oh, what's wrong with you? Exactly. Right? It's like, well, maybe nothing's wrong. Maybe everything's just the way it is, and I'm trying to make the best of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: That's another thing. Like, I got that from my brother where he's like, why are you – why therapy? How is it? Like, what's – like, I didn't know you were, like, in this kind of state, and – it's like, well, no, like, I'm not, like, my life's not falling apart. Mm-hmm. My life's getting better. But there are little things where I don't quite understand why I do them. And therapy is a way for me to understand it with a person who isn't judgmental, isn't going to think I'm crazy when I'm telling mm-hmm. them part of me wants to do this bad thing. And I feel like I have an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other mm-hmm. talking to me and having this conversation in my head. But,
0: yeah, no, it's great.
1: Everyone should do Mm that.
0: So that technique um, that you're mentioning, for the listeners out there that don't know what this this is, um, so it's sort of um, in the realm of what would be called gestalt therapy, right? So it's sort of like depersonalizing whatever issue you're going through and almost making it a third party um, to the problem, right? So instead of saying, Uh, So for me, I'll use myself as an example. So I used to be an addict of many things. um, And for the longest time, I would say, I am an addict. I'm addicted, right? And it was total a self, like a self-personalization of this issue. Um, It was my identity through and through. But what one of my counselors taught me is he said, what I want you to do is I want you to go home and on a blank sheet of paper, I want you to draw an image of your addiction. Show me what that monster looks like. So I went home, and I, I'm a horrible artist, but I sketched out, like, this scass, Sasquatch-looking guy that was, like, on fire, like, this demon-looking face. And I brought it back to him, I'm like, this is my addiction. And he said, okay, I want you to name him. Um, and I, I named him Teddy because it was very unassuming and not very threatening. Yeah. So I'm like, this is my addiction, Teddy. And he said, okay, so from now on, we're going to talk about your addiction as – this is this is your addiction, Teddy. This is not you. this is not Shane, right? Teddy just is is catching a ride with you for now. Um, you've welcomed him into into your mind, which is your home, right? This is your your house, your structure. You've opened the door, you've allowed him to come in. Now we're going to start having a dialogue with him, right? We're going to start talking with him. It's sort of like the what is it the three? Three little pigs with the big bad wolf, yeah. right? None of them open their front door to talk to the big bad wolf and be like, "Look, bro, this is not cool. Can yeah. you please stop that? Can you come in? We'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll have some tea, right? Maybe it would have worked out better. Maybe, Maybe not. Maybe we would have just eaten them all, right? But, like. but sort of in the same sense, like, there's no point in, and I deal with this with my clients all the time. There's no point in just closing the door on these parts of ourself that we don't like, yeah." Um, because by denying them, we're denying a very real part of ourselves, And by doing that, we can never be whole, right? Yeah. So to be fully whole, we need to open that door, realize that they're coming into our house though. Yeah. They're our guest. They don't live here. Yeah. You know, my depression does not live in my house. Sometimes he sneaks his way in. And yeah. he's an unwanted house guest and i figure out a way to get him out. Yeah, It's like my addiction. But now I can welcome him in and I use this in my everyday life. Like if I have like a particular fear, like a fear of competing in a particular tournament or something, yeah. I'll visualize myself in my mind that this is my house and I'm going to open the door to this fear and just welcome him in as if he was a guest in my house yeah. and have a dialogue. And the more I create and... And nourish that relationship. Yeah, that's when it all the power in that fear goes away. All the power in the addiction goes away. Yeah. All the power in the depression goes away. As soon as I establish a relationship, and I'm like, "Hey, you're suffering too. I'm I suffering. Yeah.
1: yeah. I I do this. I compare it to a, the analogy of a car, where if you have one part that's acting up, eventually that one part will affect the rest of the car. Sure. So. What I try to do in therapy and everyday life is I pay attention to that one part and I try to fix it. But not fix it in that I'm gonna ignore it, I'll even, or even just buy a new part. It's, okay, this part is acting up for a reason. Is it getting enough tension? Is it being used? Is it protecting another part? Hmm. And that's how I look at my Mr. Hyde is, maybe he's not so malevolent, you know? Maybe he's not this Hannibal Lecter in the back of my mind waiting to could strike. be balancing some other yeah. part of you. Yeah, it might. Yeah, exactly. It. I mm-hmm. think it's more of a... There's part of me that has been, you know, emotionally abused. And it's a protection mechanism. Absolutely. Where, yeah, like someone who asked me what I got on the test, they're not asking me to rub it in my face more than likely, especially when it's good friends. Mm-hmm. But my insecure part that has been through those experiences gets a little... Triggered. Yeah, triggered. for sure. And my is like, don't worry, bud, I got it. I'll mm-hmm. take care of this. Mm-hmm. This person's just a bitch, you know? And yeah, I think, yeah, if you have that relationship with that one part and you nurture that one part, mm-hmm. instead of just ignoring it till the wheels fall off.
0: Sure, and not just a... a- Ignoring it is one extreme, right? Yeah. But the other extreme opposite of ignoring it is allowing that part of yourself to completely dominate your yeah. personality and take over, right? Yeah. So now every conversation you're having with someone is like, What are they trying to get over me? What how are they trying to take yeah. advantage of me? And that creates anxiety and nervousness, social anxiety, all these things, right? Yeah. So we don't want to be in either extreme we want to we want to have and you in order to be in the middle to lead that middle path is you have to have that relationship and yeah. you, you have to understand it better
1: um,
0: yeah. and explore it. I yeah. think that's a big problem with with a lot of um, Western psychology in general in our societies is this unwillingness to explore our inner psychology yeah it's almost like like people are too afraid of what they're gonna find there, yeah, they're too afraid that they're who they thought they were is suddenly yeah. gonna be shattered and replaced by something different or something better or something worse
1: yeah i, I think a lot of people are worried that they're gonna find a boogeyman that they didn't know was there, mm, that's what I think, like a skeleton in the in the yeah, closet, yeah, mm-hmm. or they or even if they just. Don't want to feel ostracized, I think. A lot of people don't want to feel like, oh, well, I'm the only one who went through that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to explain to someone I don't even know Mm -hmm. how that was. And for me, one of the things that helped me with this one instance in my life, I was uh, molested as a child Mm -hmm. by uh, another kid that was bigger than me. And I, for years, my parents don't know my friends do my brother does but for years up until i came to college no one knew because i was so ashamed of it i thought something was wrong with me mm-hmm. and then when i came to college and i developed these relationships i told my friends and expecting them to be upset with me in a way i was nervous but i told them just to see how it go test the waters mm-hmm. And it was great. They were super supportive. They were like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Like, are you okay? Like, what can I do to help? Yeah. And through four years of that conversation being played over different times, it's really helped me come to terms with it. And I don't feel ashamed anymore. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there is that stigma where it's like, I don't want to know because what if if I feel is weird or what if I'm the one... Who did
0: something wrong, right? But unless you never talk about it, like unless you would have never just said that right now, yeah. and thank you for sharing that, oh, yeah, you would have never known that I was also molested as a kid, too, in exactly the same way for with an, with an older boy, yeah, know, who didn't exactly. know what he was doing either, yeah, you know. And so, you would have never known that about me, we would have never had that connection had exactly. you never yeah. taken the risk to be vulnerable, to put yourself out there, to be yeah. your
1: authentic self. Yeah, and I think what really helps, especially with me, is that I train. Mm-hmm. It's this form of, it just built my self-confidence, wrestling, doing jiu You know, even when I'm getting destroyed on the mats, mm-hmm. whether it's by you or Joe or Z, it builds up my self-confidence to a point where I, I can allow myself to feel vulnerable in this one instance. Mm-hmm. Because I know that... W- my confidence is my character my identity is set i have this idea of myself like no i'm a tough guy i train hard i can allow myself to be slightly vulnerable in this mm-hmm. situation and taking that first step you're right like i didn't know that about you you didn't mm-hmm. know that about me mm-hmm. but now i feel closer to you true sure. you know
0: and and you you feel that the you know even the weight of of that burden that you're carrying yeah Every time you share it, it gets lessened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, now we're sharing each other's weight. Exactly. That's what it it is. It's like teamwork now. It's not like I'm doing this all on my
1: own. Yeah. When I told my friends, it felt like I was carrying a boulder with me. Yeah. It was so hard and so shameful. But I've had those conversations. My friends, my brother, they all love me no matter what. Mm -hmm. You know? That now I can just say it. Whether it's on a podcast, with you... Or, yeah, it's something that it doesn't hold me down, so I can just throw it out there, mm-hmm. you know. So you, uh, I
0: think you're the second guest I've had on the podcast now that actually has reported to me that they listen to the podcast. So, yeah. so what have you, um, you know, what have you kind of taken from the podcast so far? What do you like about it? What, uh, what have you used um,
1: that's been useful for you so far? Uh, my two favorite episodes are with Joe and Z. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked about Joe is he was very open, mm-hmm. you know, no shame there. Yeah, he's not so open on the mats. Not he's all the not. Time. <laughs> yeah, he's not. It was cool is on the mats. He's just a sasquatch. Mm-hmm. He just crushes you. A savage. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you can almost never imagine that guy being down, or just something holding him back. But when he explained, like, no, I got kicked out of school, you know. Mm-hmm. I had to go pour concrete for a semester. And now to see where he is? Mm-hmm. He's doing well. Mm-hmm. He's got his PhD. He's a stud on the mats. Don't tell him that. I don't, know that. <laughs> I don't even know if he listens to this, but Sweet. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's it's cool. That's what I like about this podcast is people just so they are just so willing to open up. Like when Z was discussing, like, When he first opened the gym, how he's just going to teach wrestling and weightlifting. Mm -hmm. And now look where it is. It's a legitimate professional gym. Yeah, That's crazy. But you would never know that. And the way this podcast is set up, in my opinion, is just a conversation. Mm -hmm. Obviously in the title, but it's cool seeing that with these, especially these two dudes who are just savages. And then just open up. Mm-hmm. Like, oh they're real people yeah that's weird yeah we're all just humans we're all just people yeah and I think people get caught up in that like I know at my school it's like a mystique almost yeah right? like, like if someone has their PhD she's like, oh my god they have their PhD like how do I even talk to this person on their like, level do I call them doctor at yeah. all times like what do I do and, but Joe has his PhD and mm-hmm. I'll die before I call that you know yeah show that respect I mean, he does like to say it all the time like I'm yeah. a doctor yeah <laughs> Dr. Joe <laughs> I'm an expert <laughs> on anything yeah and that's what's cool about this podcast and podcasts like it. Yeah, you get people open up, you know, and through that opening up, I think that's a conversation with the mind. You know, uh, my conversation goes this way with me, and then you say how your conversation with your mind goes. Now we're taking information back and right. forth, multiple streams of information. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if you're doing that with people like Joe, Z, other professionals, other. Interesting people. People are super interesting. The person bagging your groceries could tell you a crazy story. I bet. You know, and I think people forget that. Mm -hmm. Speaking of crazy
0: stories, um, my wife told me one about you, but it's from her mouth, so I was wondering if you could share it. Oh, you said this is your claim to fame in college. Oh yeah, and I have one to share too, but you
1: first. Okay. So (laughs) freshman year, uh, I didn't have a huge amount of friends in high school because I was in this domineering relationship but so when i came to college and i wasn't in that phew, horses were off to the races so i would procure alcohol through this dude who had a fake id and i had a single room in, in the, the dorm. dorm right yeah in the dorm yeah, right? yeah. i had a single so i never had to worry about roommates and i would get all this alcohol and I'm, with my new friends like hey let's get drunk you know and there was one night there must have been Fifteen of us in my tiny single room, I had a single room
0: once too, and this this place is like six feet by twelve feet, maybe six by ten, maybe
1: yeah, it yeah, my room was pretty small, mm-hmm. but the way I had it set up, I had my bed, and then I even had a futon full size futon, mm, okay, and a mini fridge, no, I had it set, and so we start drinking, and because I'm stupid at age nineteen, I'm like, oh well, let's play music really loud, that'll go well you know yeah there's RAs walking the halls all the time but we'll figure it out and immediately we get a knock on the door and I'm like oh fuck here we go here's my MIP so I'm like hide the alcohol like the rats in Ratatouille where they're just Mm -hmm. scattering it was just clang clang Mm -hmm. clang 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 everywhere and I open the door and he's just so drunk there's these two RAs who are like oh hey we got a noise complaint like can we come in and I was like no and I shut my door And so they start pounding on the door. And I open it again, and all my friends are just standing there. The music's off. It's super awkward. We're all like terrified. And they're pounding on the door. I open it up the second time. They're like, We really want to come in. I'm like, Oh, well, no, I don't want you to. So I shut it again. And by this time, you would have thought SWAT was outside Mm -hmm. that door, pounding on it. And I open it up, and they're like, The guy, it was a guy and a girl. He was like, if you don't let us in, I can just call the cops and they can come in. And so I started to panic and I was like, okay, um, well, can I talk to you alone? And the female RA was like, yeah, sure. You can talk to me. And the guy was like, all right, I'm going to get everyone's info. But I, all my friends went out kind of into the hallway that way he couldn't... Because if you would have walked into my room, you would have saw all the alcohol. Mm-hmm. It was just the way it was positioned from outside my room, they couldn't see it. And so I asked her, okay, um, can we have this conversation? She's like, sure. So we're walking around a corner and I have about mm, 10, 15 seconds to think of something that's going to make them not want to come into my right, room. Right, make them go away. Yeah. What can I say to make them go yeah. away? And so... Time's running out, we turn the corner, and it's just me and her, and I'm like, I have gay porn all over my room. (laughs) And she said, excuse me? I was like, there's just gay porn littered all over this room. Under my bed, I got DVDs in my drawers. Everywhere, (laughs) you can imagine, there's gay porn. And my friends don't know I'm gay, so if you out me, that's not cool, and... That's all she didn't need to hear. She's like, all right. So we walked back and she's like, all right, let's go. And the guy was like, what? No, we know they're drinking. There's no way. And she was like, let's go. And he was like, no, what did he tell you? And she's like, I'll tell you later. Let's go. And he would not drop in. I was like, can I talk to you? And he was like, sure. So I walked back to the, around the corner. And my door is still open. And half of my friends left. And my door's still open, and the female are already sitting there. And I just need to talk to him long enough to get the door to shut so they would leave. And so I turn the corner, and he immediately goes, No matter what you tell me, I know there's alcohol in that room. So you can just confess to it now, and we can save, us, mm-hmm. save ourselves the headache. And I was like, Dude, I don't want to tell you what I told her. And he was like, well, why not? And I'm like, dude, it's okay. Because I knew this guy was in the Army ROTC. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping, I was like, oh, well, maybe he's like super hardcore Republican. Like, go Army. Like, he's going to feel uncomfortable. Right, you're you're banking
0: on his conservative.
1: Right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and he was like, no, just tell me. And I was like, I got gay porn all over the room. Like, just everywhere. bro. You open my fridge some shit's gonna fall out, mm-hmm. like, don't do this, you know, and there's still friends over there, and you don't want to do that. And he was like, no there's, no, there's not, that's wild, there's no way. And he asked me a question, he was like, well, why don't you just look it up on the internet? That way there's no evidence. And I paused, and I was thinking, oh, fuck, this guy's pretty smart. I didn't even think about that in the ten seconds I had. And I was like, well, because then, what if I leave a tab open? Just something stupid, like, no way someone's gonna believe this. And he was like, there's really gay porn in your room? Like, there's just DVDs under your bed and in your desk? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I'm gay, bro. But if you tell my friends that, then what if I lose my friends? Which, looking back, that's kind of not cool because there are people struggling with that. you know, And that's kind of not cool for my drunk freshman has to be exploiting that. But I did. And... So then he sits down and I sit down and we're just in the hallway having this conversation where he's like, oh, well, tell me about your high school experience. Like, that must have sucked like being gay. So now you're making, so you're now making up just, a whole second life. Yeah. So now I'm just, I'm <laughs> like, yeah, my dad's super Republican and I didn't <laughs> want to tell him. My dad's so cool with gay people. But I was like, I don't want to tell him and my brother, he's an asshole and I don't want to tell him because what if he thinks of me differently? And at that moment he walks around the corner and he looks at the guy and he goes, can I go to fucking bed? Like, can you guys, like, leave? Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, bud, like, we're almost done here. Don't worry. Just go back to bed. And he's like, or go back to the room. And he's like, all right. So then he's like, well, we have these classes at CSU that help people like you, you know, figure this kind of situation out. I was like, yeah, sure. I would love to go to those classes, you know? And he was like, cool. So he gives me the information and we're walking back and he gives me his phone number he's like hey if you ever need someone to talk to you can call me bud like we're square we're good and right before I walk into my room with there's only like three friends left everyone else went to another friend's dorm Mm room in sheer panic because everyone thinks they're getting MIPs sure and there was like four or five people in that room that are on probation for drinking in the dorms so it wasn't looking good for them and he and he's like, hey, Cody. And I'm like, yeah. And he like, shakes my hand. He's like, have a good night, bud. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And the, like, door shuts. my friend's like, what the fuck did you tell him? I'm like, I told him I have gay porn everywhere. And then it becomes this big joke. And then one of them stops. He's like, y- you don't, though, right? And I'm like, well, no, I don't. And then we went over to my friend's dorm and told them the story. And I was like, none of us are getting MIPs. We're good. And yeah, that's my crazy dorm story.
0: So did you have to keep up the story for the rest of the year?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I, had had like, to, had I had to like... go to those classes and lie, which sucks because there are people there like, yeah, I'm gay and I don't know how my family's going to take it. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had to keep it up for a year. I see the, R, the male RA every once in a while and I have a girlfriend now mm-hmm. and I'm holding her hand mm-hmm. and he sees me holding her hand, walk by and I don't know if he knows, but I think he has an inkling. He's like, what? This dude told me he was hardcore gay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. So for the rest of freshman year, which was only like another month, mm-hmm. I had to go to these classes. And...
0: Wow. So you got you got a whole education on a on a whole different cultural subset
1: that oh, yeah. you were not expecting to get in college. Yeah. No, I was not. I was like, I just want, mm-hmm. don't want my friends to get in trouble. Not sure. And which turned into me going to classes and, mm-hmm. you know. So my story's um, similar in that it was
0: involved in the dorm with lots of alcohol in someone's room. Yeah, I think it was someone else's double room, and there must have been 15 or 20 of us in there. Same situation. They had, like, a beer pong table. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, And so the RAs come, and in college, to say the least, I I was— I mean, you know me for six months. You yeah. know how intense of an individual I am yeah. and how um, I'm really <laughs> – I've learned to channel that intensity into yeah. good things, yeah. uh, into, into productive things. But back then, if you can imagine, in my early 20s, like 1920, all that intensity focused towards proving to everybody that I could outdrink them oh, in God. every situation, right? So I'm the most drunk person in the room. R.A. knocks on the door. I'm like, I got this out in the hallway and because I didn't want any of my friends to get busted and you know I thought if I can get them out of this I'll be the king of the dorm you know yeah, everyone will love I was me you know everyone hates my drinking I'm gonna prove to them that my <laughs> drinking's gonna <laughs> it's gonna come out on top and save the day right so I'm out in the hallway and the RAs are trying to push past me and and I'm getting a little physical with them and um I start doing stupid shit like you know they would like I'd shove them, and, and they would just, like, put their hand on me barely, and I'd throw myself against the concrete wall and, like, bang <laughs> my head on the wall to try and bring blood out and, like, blame it on them and stuff. and And so I'm doing all this stupid shit in the hallway, super drunk, just acting a fool, almost trying to, like, scare them out of going away. Like, go away. Wow. Like, <laughs> yeah, something's going to happen if you don't get out of here. And so I'm making this huge scene and just decide... I'm going to run down the hall screaming and yelling. It's like super late at night. So everyone comes out of their doorways and the RAs come chasing after me in my head. I'm like, yeah, okay. Got them away from the room. All my friends can, can go to their rooms while I'm distracting the RAs. What ends up happening is they chase me up two flights of stairs to my room. I lock the door, turn off the lights, pretend I'm not there. They know I'm in there, uh, but I don't answer the door. So they call the police, the police come to my door and I answer in my, um, in my sleepwear and I'm just like I don't know what's going on man I was I was sleeping I don't know what they're talking about and since they couldn't prove it they're like okay whatever we're gonna leave um so later on that night I continued drinking after the police left I'm like I got away with this time to celebrate even more but all my friends are passed out already it's like four in the morning by now and I'm still going so I put on my at the time I had a discman I okay. had uh, a Discman, and I put in uh, the a Chimera CD. Um, it was when they won Best Metal Album of the Year um, for the Impossibility of Reason. And there's a song on there called uh, Power Trip. And the main lyric in there goes, fuck your power trip. So I put this on full blast of my Discman, and since I can't really be loud in the dorm, I go out to the field in front of the dorm, and I just start my own one-man mosh pit. And 4 AM, like <laughs> screaming at the top of my lungs with these headphones in my ears, screaming "fuck your power trip" for the whole campus to hear. Um, people are yelling out their windows. Some are cheering me on. Some are saying "shut up, I'm trying to sleep." Same cops come back and attempt to taser me on the lawn, but their their wire taser didn't quite reach me because I was running away. Ran back up to my room, um, and they never they never caught me you know i was very lucky but all my friends who live in the dorm remember that night and that instance as the fuck your power trip um that That story is crazier than mine
1: because you had the cops involved twice Twice. same the same cops same Same cops cops. Mm -hmm. and i i I lied but in a way where yeah we're drinking you know we're drinking right but is it like worth the trouble of outing me to right. give me an MIP and all
0: my friends. Yeah, I just didn't care. I was like, "You can take me down as far as you want." So that that was kind of my mind space back then. That is terrifying. Um, but being being that this, you know, we're talking about mind space on this podcast. I, I really wanted to have you on because of your background in neuroscience. Yeah. And you and I were talking about a little bit of this um, the other day in the gym, and I really want to know how a neuroscientist views consciousness, you know, Um, I view consciousness differently, but that's based out of my Buddhist lens, it's based out of my meditative, my meditative lens, my martial arts lens, my psychedelic lens, all these explorations of the mind that I go on neuroscience is a part of my training, but not nearly in the depth that you've gone at it with. So I'm curious to know what is, what is a neuroscientist's take on what consciousness is? And how it's structured? Yeah. Do you think it's in the in the brain? Uh, what yeah, do you I
1: uh, I think you and I would agree on a lot of things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I do think that we are just. I look at it from an evolutionary aspect, where we're just higher order primates with a very high density of neurons, mm-hmm. and all of our experiences are just based off chemistry. That's what I think, but. I remember you and I were talking, you brought up how you think the brain is a sort of antenna. Yeah, or like a tuning fork almost. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I look at that as, are you saying like, in a way, like there's like this cloud that we all like tune into?
0: Yeah, so in my mind, um, and what I've been shown in some of the visionary experiences that I've had, um, have you ever heard of the Akashic Records? Mm -mm. So the Akashic Records is this philosophy around... um, it's sort of like the library of Alexandria, right? Yeah. Except it's the library of all human experience, all human knowledge, all human perceptions ever in the history of mankind. Okay. And all these experiences are up in this cloud space, right? The collective consciousness. Okay. We, and that we're sort of like these individual manifestations of this collective consciousness, living our human experience to add information to this, mm. this database. Right, Mm, And that we as human beings, because we're a part of this database, we have the ability to tap into it at any time and download any information we want. It's just that maybe we've lost the ability to do that. We've forgotten. Maybe through our social conditioning or industrialization or whatever, we've lost the ability to tap into that. So say, you know, I can sit down and meditate. The idea is I can sit down and meditate and tap into the frequency that Albert Einstein used to carry in his body, in his brain, and tap into his frequency in this collective consciousness, download information from his consciousness, even uh-huh. though it's yeah, even though it's not around, and access that information. Oh. Um so in a sense we we've
1: kind of lost that connection okay to that. I think of it my form of a cloud is that through archetypes, you know, we like these stories of the Avengers. Yeah. You know, these stories of heroes, where, oh, if I do that, I'll live a good life. Mm-hmm. And I think those ideas have just been passed down generations, generations, like a meme. Sure. And I think our collective unconscious is all these stories together. Mm-hmm. And well, I'm, I'm a little sad. I don't know what to do. Well, in that story. They did this, you know. Mm -hmm. Hercules did this, you know, and we don't do that every day. But there's a reason those stories came about.
0: Well, we some people do, in a sense. Like if you think about like the stories of the Bible, right? Yeah, exactly. People who follow Christianity will lead their lives and make their decisions based on the lessons they've learned from
1: those stories. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I think I don't. I don't think I don't think there's a cloud where we all tune in. Mm -hmm. I think we are born. And our experiences shape how our consciousness is. Hmm. And how those different pathways are individualistic between people. But just because it's individualistic doesn't mean I can't look at yours and go, hmm, yeah, I want to add that in. Mm -hmm. And that is my way of tapping into this unconscious. Sure. It's
0: almost like um, recognizing something in someone else that you desire for yourself and and integrating it. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, we we hear the phrases like, I can learn from someone else's mistakes. I don't have to make them myself. Right. Or you can learn something about, you know, read a a book by a Fortune 500 person and implement their ideas around success into your own life. Yeah. Sort of like uh, formulaic. Right? Yeah. Like, like there's formulas to achieve certain things.
1: Yeah, and I think that goes to a point
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I do think there are things like I could try as hard as I want to come up with a theory of relativity on my yep. own. Not going to happen. Nope. Not going to happen. So, but I can look at like Einstein and his methods like, you know, he, he stayed up late, he worked hard. You know, that had to have played a factor right. into so, it
0: you can duplicate his methodology
1: yeah but I don't I can never achieve what he did Mm. or what others do you know like for you I describe you to people as a walking day modern samurai Hmm. you know and I can try to incorporate that stoic attitude in my everyday and I'll hit it with about 50% accuracy so I've incorporated some of it Mm -hmm. it's in my life now but I'm never gonna achieve that level so I don't know if this collective unconscious, I think it has a limit. Mm. And that limit is based off your individual mm. self. I would, yeah, I, and I would tie
0: into that idea, right? If, and say that you're, and don't take this the wrong way, but yeah. you're probably limiting yourself Okay. in that realm, right? So if, you know, why can't we achieve those things? Why can't I achieve Nikola Tesla type um, intuitions and inventions, right? Yeah. Why, why can't I? Um, just because my IQ isn't as high as his? I don't believe so. Nikola Tessa even said himself, like, he thought he was receiving beamed in messages from extraterrestrial life. That's where he thought he got his ideas from. Um, they just would appear in dreams, you mm-hmm. know? And then he'd wake up and write this whole blueprint of something, right? So I think a piece of us, and not just you, but myself included, yeah. like, like if we want to be more like somebody else um, or uh, integrate characteristics of them that we want, we are our only limiting factor in that process to do that. Okay. Right? Um, and we can, we can look at evidence from like um, Buddhist meditators that have been meditating for 50 plus years who can sit in a pot of boiling oil and not change their facial expression, not get any burns. Um, Buddhist monks who can sit out in the middle of a blizzard and a snowstorm with wet blankets dripped on them, and they'll dry the blankets and melt all the snow around them. Like Wim Hof. Right, stuff like that. But doing that stuff with the power of your mind, we all have these potentials. Like We all have these superpowers, like you said, the Avengers. Yeah. I just feel like we probably lost them over many, many centuries. There's this anthropologist that was... Writing about some of his studies um, of human beings, and he thinks we had—he think we had over three hundred different senses. Um, back mm-hmm. in the day, that but we just lost our connection with them. And we still have them, but we can't tap into them. So now we have our, our big five, yeah. right? Uh, hearing, sight, taste, smell, touch. yeah. Um, but we know there's other senses that we have, too, that people don't know, like proprioception, yeah. equilibrium. All these things are also sensor, senses, yeah. but that we had over, like, 300. So we could levitate. We could walk through walls. Mm-hmm. We could
1: move objects with our mind. So, hmm. I know there was this, the US military did this study where they looked at if they needed to recruit a lot of people, like wartime, we need as many people as possible. They looked at IQs and they looked at, okay, we need to test this IQ, like their IQs, to see what jobs they're available to do. And they found that if you have an IQ below 83, there was not a single job you could do in the military. Hmm. Do you think that those people with those low IQs could learn to become a heart surgeon?
0: Maybe not a heart surgeon, but I think that they probably have some capability that people with IQs over 160 or something don't have. Um, So like autistic people or like Rain Man instances, right, where they may not be able to even be uh, a worker at a McDonald's. Efficiently, yeah. But they can solve complex mathematical problems that only computers can do, right? So even an IQ is—we've proven that it's not even a good measure for, for, um, for IQ or intelligence anyway. Um, it's just sort of one of those standardized testing methodologies.
1: Yeah. Um, Isn't it the number one predictor for lifelong success, though? That and conscientiousness. because um, that's what I've learned.
0: I, I think there's a lot more. Predictors. Okay. Um, I think those two have been studied more than a lot of the other ones. Yeah. And so we have a lot more evidence um, for those, but I think there's a lot that has been yet yeah. to
1: explore. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point, though, because, you know, with my, the further into my college education I get, the more I'm suffering from functional fixedness, I've noticed. So, for instance, my girlfriend, who is a social work major, I'll ask her questions, whether it's political or even a science-based question, because she thinks differently, mm-hmm. you know? I'm sure for her to take a test that I would probably test higher in IQ, but, like, me and her have talked about, like, hey, I guess it doesn't matter, you know? Because she thinks of different things, so maybe you're right. Maybe those people with IQs below 83 could think of something differently. Yeah.
0: I think, yeah. And again, we're probably limiting ourselves by putting those labels on those people saying that they're not good enough. So
1: how do you not limit yourself? How do you get over that?
0: Stay open. Stay open to the possibility that we don't know shit. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So stay open to the possibility that we've only just scratched the surface and our understanding of reality and the way things work is still very limited. Yeah and not to get stuck in that fixedness where this is the way it works right even yeah. especially with things like neuroscience like i see this in the hard sciences where yeah. okay we've discovered this this connection here and this is what causes this this is the method of action for this yeah. right um and i cringe every time i i hear such such um, yeah. strong stances on things because we don't we don't even know the full extent of
1: physics of our you know of our reality and i would i would say do you think that's a little hard to do though with this openness like remain open because there are people who are low in trait openness Mm -hmm. and there are reasons for that you know whether it's like conservatives for instance you know because i really look into a lot of like big five personality research Mm -hmm. conservatives are lower in trait openness generally than liberals Mm -hmm. and it's one of the best predictors to decide if that person is a liberal or a conservative, he just had traits. And I think it would be hard because I think those traits are innate. You know, whether it's the behavioral immune system when Christopher Columbus came over here, the people who were open and went down and talked died of disease, you know? And I think the people who are low in openness, it served them well when they were shut, shutting themselves off. Hmm. And I think even I think that's even a good example of I think why Trump did well, is talking about that wall. I don't think a lot of people are racist who voted for Trump. Don't get me wrong; there are those fringe people, sure. but I think a lot of them like order. Mm-hmm. S- you know, they're scared, and maybe that is them limiting thems- themselves. But can you beat that out of them or train them?
0: Yeah, and to get over that. Well, and I would I view it from a different angle too yeah. with the Trump thing. Um, you know, I think and this is just an opinion. Yeah. But I think that a lot of people voted for Trump because they wanted something different. I agree. They wanted they wanted to be open, right? Because we've yeah. been so closed off to this political system and the way it's run now and the lobbyists and all this shit. Yeah. And people were like, I'm done being closed into this system. I want us to break free completely and to do that we need to elect this cartoon character Version to at least shake things up and show people that we don 't have to sit in
1: this paradigm yeah.
0: the whole time
1: i I agree with that. I think that's a lot of the reason I like, I know a lot of people that voted for Trump mm-hmm. but not because they liked him mm-hmm. it was well I, I know what i'm going to get with hillary let's let's right. go with this guy mm-hmm. you know, but I do think he woke something up and a lot of people were like, yeah, like I want things to remain the same, you know i don 't want people coming in from other countries they they could be great people you know you could be keeping out someone who's gonna cure cancer mm-hmm. and they're just trying to get to university and research it but there is that innateness I think and by innateness I don't mean necessarily hardwired for sure I think it's like structured in advance but open to experience Jonathan Haidt used that term for innateness and that's what I think of it like most of these people are structured in advance to be weary Because it served their ancestors well back in the day. And I think it's hard to beat out that evolutionary psychology. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why Trump did well. And I think it would be hard to train people not to think that way. Yeah. To unlimit themselves. I'm probably not making much sense. No. Well, the system is set up in a
0: way that it wants to self-perpetuate to continue. Yeah, To continue to make money, to continue to sell product, to continue to you know, expand the human race yeah. in this almost parasitic way across our environment, yeah. which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, in order to, like you say, train people out of this way of thinking, the system would need to accept for itself that the system is broken and needs to change in order for that to happen. I yeah. think once that, once that were to break... I could come up with some great ways to help educate the masses on their potential for consciousness and their purpose as a as a conscious spiritual being on this planet and raise consciousness in people to a level where you know the thought of war just seems stupid, right? Yeah. And and that these changes can happen it's um not so much training through like propaganda and programming but yeah. more like let's educate these people on things that things that they haven't explored yet things that the government doesn't want us to explore for ourselves things like yeah. being able to heal our bodies with our mind being able to heal ourselves we don't need you know doctors all the time to heal ourselves we can do that stuff with our mind and or going a shamanic route or going a plant medicine route you know going all these different routes uh, that there are other possibilities um so, Cody, we're we're running short on time here. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, do you have do you have time to do um, more? Or do you have somewhere to be after this? No, I don't. I got time. Okay. Um, so what I think we're going to do is, since we're running out of time, we'll go ahead and just wrap up this podcast and we'll do a part two. Um, cool. We'll do a part two because there's some other questions I want to ask you. And, um, yeah, we'll just add it to the next episode. So if you guys like this episode with Cody Weiss... Um, Please like and share it again. Go to our website, mindops.com, and uh, join us for the second segment of this podcast when Cody and I go a little bit deeper into the realm of consciousness and our individual experiences of that and how we add to the collective. All right. Thanks for joining us.